What's going on, everybody? This is Sean of Ross Like Music. And this is the Super Sunny Love Show. I'm La Molly. This is Blue and Green Radio. Party people, this is Mr. V of Confessions of a Curly Mind, broadcasting through Blue and Green Radio. You're listening to Steve Williams at UK5.org. Welcome to the Blue and Green Sessions. Right, the vibe with DJ Ronnie Ron. Cosmic, Cosmic Radio. Twisted Soul. Futuristica Radio. You're listening to the Blue and Green podcast, and I hope you enjoy what we are going to say. Blueandgreenradio.com. Welcome, friends. You're tuned into another episode of the Blue in Green podcast. How are you? I hope the episode finds you well, happy, and healthy. My name is Imran. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in uh, to our episode today. Very, very excited. We have an excellent show lined up for you. Before we jump in, however, a quick reminder that you can catch episodes of the Blue in Green podcast releasing on the first, second, and third Mondays of every month. The podcast series runs in conjunction with Blue in green radio the online internet radio station that broadcasts from london and is incredibly fortunate to host shows from across the whole wide world uh so we'd love for you to check us out at blueandgreenradio.com for uh, our radio stream as well as of course the full backlist catalog of our uh, blue and green podcasts which afford me the amazing opportunity to kind of spend time with not only blue and green radio presenters but also a wide array of just some really amazing artists as epitomized by our guest on the show today uh, today i have the uh, amazing opportunity to sit down um, and kind of um uh, spend time and pick the brains of the amazing Kathy Cousins uh, uh, from Detroit, Michigan. An incredible uh, mind for the business, an incredible artist, uh, singer, songwriter, producer, uh, and painter, as we learnt about uh, during the conversation as well. There is, um, and it is such a huge amount to discuss, and uh, she has a, gosh, an almost encyclopedic knowledge of. Uh, just everything uh, music related, everything that she's done, everything about the kind of collaborators that she's worked with as well. So we kind of go back to her early days as vocalist for Was Not Was, we go further than that uh, as well, Jean Dunlap um, uh, collaborations as well we get to discuss, um, we get to discuss kind of her family uh, business and um, uh, her father being a uh, clothing store retailer, clothing the Detroit's finest, including Barry Gordy uh, and other Motown superstars as well. And we get to discuss uh, Kathy's, uh, as I say, incredible uh, career as a jazz vocalist, but that also saw her progress into kind of R&B and soul um, for her 2018 release, Uncovered Soul. Uh, Kathy's in the midst of a new uh, kind of array of singles that are on the verge of being released. Uh, so it really was an absolute pleasure uh, to have the time to sit down and um, I'd say just this, to discuss an amazing, amazing career. Um, so um, yes, without further ado, uh, before we jump in, oh, hang on, the, with, with one further ado, uh, regular listeners of the podcast know we feature two songs per episode. Uh, Kathy, our guest, will have the um, the opportunity to pick our closing number, and she has a wonderful track to close this out with. Uh, but I have the opportunity to pick 
uh, the opening one and I'm going to pick something sort of from the 2018 Uncovered Soul album. Um, it's it's an album that I'm, we're very fortunate to be able to discuss with Kathy on the episode today. So as I say, released in 2018, uh, kind of saw her take on a more um, soul and R&B based approach to uh, her music after five albums of, uh, of sort of releases as a jazz vocalist. Uh, but it's an album that continued to see new life, um, and including remixes from Opa Lopo and um, the uh, Giles Peterson and Sinbad remix that we're going to play for you uh, right now of Could You Be Me, which pairs um, Kathy with the amazing Paul Randolph. So there is a, uh, there's a lot to discuss, as I say, and I think this track is sort of really indicative of kind of the new directions her music was just was was interpreted and embraced in. So it was just a, it's a real pleasure uh, to play this one for you. I love this one. Uh, it's such a great mix, and I hope you guys will enjoy it too. Uh, before 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 we uh, introduce uh, Kathy a final time. Um, quick reminder, uh, you can check uh, Kathy uh, Cousins out on Instagram at Kathy Cousins and you can also check out uh, her website for full information about uh, her music and um, where to find her and everything you can get your hands on. So that's KathyCousins.com. We'll have the links in the uh, descriptions as well. So uh, thank you very much. And without further, further ado, let's go straight into uh, this wonderful conversation with the amazing Detroit's very own uh, Kathy Cousins. Reflect the times. 
Thanks so much for making this happen. Oh, it's a, it's a, absolutely my my uh, my pleasure. I can't. Yeah, I'm super excited that we kind of have this opportunity to sit down and and just talk for a while. So this is really exciting. I've been a fan for a while. I think I mentioned in my message. So it's is uh yeah, this is a real pleasure for me. So I appreciate your time. Let me ask you, what which part of the UK are you in? Uh, just outside of London. 
you know, I've performed at the Pheasantry in Chelsea. Oh, wow. And I was on a soundstage and Brian Hurst uh, did a 12 camera video shoot. Wow. With uh, the backing band that I use when I'm in the UK is is uh, Tom O'Grady's guys, Resolution 88. I love them. They're an amazing band. Well, if you looked at my YouTubes, <laughs> you'll see me on three of my originals with those guys. Oh, that's uh, amazing. Oh it, oh, it is great. So when I'm in the UK, th those are my go-to guys. Yeah, they're amazing. Yeah. Um, I think they're doing the, the London Jazz Festival in November. Right. Anyway, I wanted to say, when I was in London, um, when was I there? 2019, I think. Or maybe it was 18 or 19. And Steve ran me around like crazy. <laughs> he, I did an interview. Um, I did an on-air performance and interview with Tom and myself on the BBC on the Robert Elms show. Right. And we also did, Tom and I, the same day or the next day, we did Jazz FM. Amazing. And then Steve had me uh, doing an interview for Echoes Magazine. And then I did another interview for Blues and Soul magazine with Pete Lewis. And then he had me on Solar Radio <laughs> and, and Delight Radio and My Soul Radio. Oh, this was all inside of two days. Do you enjoy that aspect of it in Love terms it. of the promotion I, and talking? I'd rather, and... <laughs> I'd rather do that than perform. I mean, <laughs> that. And and I mean, what else did I do? I went, I recorded. I was in the studio uh, writing with um, Mike Pato and Shelley Nelson. Wow! And we did some work um, through Soul House Records because Brian Power also used one of my songs from my Uncovered Soul album, and he. I think they created some new tracks. They created new tracks and put lifted my vocal, I think, from from the stems and flew it into it. He, he, he really, he made about four or five versions of one of the songs on my album. So, yes, I mean, I have to say, and then my other favorite thing to do, let's see, Brian's wife took me to Kent to see some phenomenal castle. <laughs> we were in Kent for a day. And then my other favorite thing to do um, is hit pub after pub because I love, <laughs> I love fish and chips and mushy peas. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I love the UK. I love the UK. It's Well, I mean, gosh, you said a bunch of stuff I'd love to sort of delve into. I mean... I suppose, well, the, first, the most interesting thing I think you said was that you prefer the promotion part of it than performing. That's no, surprising. I, I, no, I'm not going to say that. I love, <laughs> I love both, but I love the interviews. Oh, okay. I love the Brits. So, I mean, sitting down with you guys to do extended interviews and having people, you know, um, just pick me apart and ask me a million questions. And I, I love it. I absolutely love it. 
So that's that's really surprising. I I I always imagine that the answer to that people of people saying, "Oh, I just wish I could, you know, either create music or perform it, and then just leave everything else to, to other people to have to to do." But it's great that you like the promotion side of things. I love it. I absolutely love it. Everything about the promotion end is is the best. When people are touring and they're on the road, yeah. They're in another country, but they never get to see it. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. It's like you're there for a couple of days. And in in the States, I mean, I've played all over. I've opened <laughs> for uh, Gregory Porter, Peebo Brighton, Avery Sunshine, um, um, the Rippingtons. Uh, I, I've, I've played my own performances all over the world. And then I also co-bill or guest artist with other, mm. you know, with 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 even bigger artists. Um, but I suppose probably the most interesting thing is, yeah. I if you don't, if I may say, like how far back kind of your, your career actually oh, yeah. goes to stuff like, <laughs> like with with was not was for example, and how extensive your your catalog is for with them and Gene Dunlap and a lot's been made about that kind of, um, oh God, I got this. a Dunlap story for you. Sure. Please. Um, <laughs> before Gene Dunlap and before was not was, I really started as a baby singing background vocals for Michael Henderson. Mm. And Michael Henderson had an album out called the wide receiver um, he was signed to Arista Records, and um, he actually was the electric bassist for Miles Davis, wow, yeah. uh, Miles's electric band. And eventually, he started his his own band. He was produced by Norman Connors. He did um, duets with Phyllis Hyman and Gene Kahn, and next thing you know, and he lives in Detroit. So, I mean, I knocked on the door. <laughs> At the recording studio, I still knock on doors. I mean, I've never stopped my business practice. And they didn't know me. And I handed them a cassette. <laughs> this was about 1978. And I handed, a, I handed his road manager or his music director a cassette. And I said, please give this to Michael Henderson and let him know. I would very much like to, you know, sing backgrounds on some of his work well i the timing was good he was cutting an album and he must have gone through the through the cassette and they said call her up and get her down here so it was like the next week i went in and sang on the entire album and then a second album uh after that and went on the road with him a little bit and people said oh you sound you remind me of tina marie I I don't sound anything like me, but because I'm a white soul singer, you know, they had to compare me to somebody. Then later on in life, I got compared, and it really was the the ultimate compliment. People said, you sound like Phyllis Hyman. Well, I got my start listening to Phyllis Hyman, um, Patty Austin, Angela Bofill, and Marlena Shaw. They were my main influences when I first started thinking about wanting to be a vocalist. And um, after the Michael Henderson, then I fell in with was not was. I did the same thing. I knocked on the door of the studio (laughs) 
And Don was, who was Don Faginson in those days. Mm. And the was not was name, I think, was just being born at that time. Wow. He said, yeah, we could use background vocals for, we're recording an album. And I was hired to contract the other singers. And there were three of us. And, and then Sweet Pea, who just passed away, and Harry Bowens uh, were doing all the lead vocals on, on those records. They were also, uh, you know, they also did some backgrounds and the leads. And Carol Hall and I did all the background vocals. And we were on all of those albums. And during that time, Gene Dunlap, who was a drummer, at the time for Earl Clue, signed a deal with Capitol Records and he called me up and he said, I don't want you to sing on my album, but I love your writing. I want you to write, because I was a songwriter too. And he said, I know you're writing and I'd like you to write some, some songs for a couple of albums, this one and then the next one. So I wrote, I think, four songs for one album and three for the next. I co-wrote them with, uh, with a sax player by the name of Dave McMurray, who's also in Was Not Was, who wow. also has a big album out right now. He did a tribute, an homage to the Grateful Dead. And mm -hmm. he's, the guy's very, very versatile. So He's a wonderful musician. Yeah, big fan. Dave? Dave McMurray? Mm. Yes, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's wonderful. So, um, and he's an old friend of mine. And his wife, Garzel, uh, and they've been married for years. She was the office manager of the studio where we made all those was not was records. And there was a guy in the band who did all, who produced or who did all the tracks for Eminem, Louis Rusto, and then another guitar player in the band by the name of Brandy Jacobs, who, uh, I mean, he's, He's he's you Google Randy Jacobs and he's got a huge profile on Instagram and on and on Facebook. He's an amazing guitarist. I'm co-writing, collaborating with him right now. We're very we go back to Michael Henderson's band. I mean, we that's how far we go back. So Gene Dunlap uh, recorded the songs that I wrote with other vocalists doing these songs which was fine. I wasn't hired to sing. I was hired to write. And fast forward two years ago, I started getting these massive checks from Sony ATV. And I couldn't imagine wh where this money was coming from. You know, I've done a lot of projects over the years where I get royalties and publishing money. And I had a song in a movie uh, a number of years ago in, in, in a movie called Soul Plane that wow the snoop dog movie right yeah yeah i have a song right. in a movie called wow. Lady girl i think the guy that sang it sang the song is by the name of trayvon potts who i i uh i co-wrote that tune with him so sure enough these checks started coming in like every six months big checks so i called sony in nashville and i said would you please tell me where where is this money coming from Sure enough, a young kid rapper from Dayton, Ohio, took one of the songs I wrote for Gene Dunlap and used the entire song as a backing track for one of his raps. 
And he sold a half a million albums with that song on on that album. And he also um, got millions of streams on that particular song on YouTube. So the money, you know, it's like clockwork. Every six months, something shows up. So, I mean, I've had a very active and busy career. There's really not a day where something isn't going on. And I'm also a visual artist. I paint. So, and I have an art studio and I do these modern expressionistic abstracts. And some of them are quite large, like five feet by four feet or four by three or three foot square or four foot square. And during the lockdown, uh, when the first wave of COVID really hit, I had some contractors come out and I, I built out my basement and turned it into a beautiful art studio and multi-function space. So it serves as a gallery. It serves as a, uh, it serves a, uh, an art studio, a gallery and a rehearsal space too. So if I want to, you know, have a good rehearsal here, as a matter of fact, it, it would hold about 40 people seated in chairs Wow. And I could have like a small, intimate house concert if I wanted to. I haven't thought about it yet, but it's sort of in the back of my mind. And so, I mean, I have six albums, commercially released albums. The first five albums are pretty straight ahead jazz albums. The first album I ever had out came out in 1995. Mm called All in a Dream's Work. And it, it's an all original, pretty straight ahead jazz album as my homage to Miles Davis. It sounds very film noir. And, you know, that record has been pressed, I don't know how many times. Amazing. And, and then, then there was a second album and a th- the second album was called Mood Swings and wound up on a label called Chiaroscuro Records, which is a straight-ahead jazz label. I don't think there are any other female jazz artists on that label. And then, uh, to my knowledge, anyway. And then after that, in 2006, I, I put out an album called Vintage that was on a Warner Brothers subsidiary that I recorded in Brooklyn with just incredible jazz musicians. Eric Harland, Aaron Goldberg, Peter Bernstein, John Ellis, uh, Ruben Rogers, just amazing musicians. And then the fourth album was um, a project that I put together that is an homage to the West Coast jazz movement that came out of Los Angeles in the 1950s and 60s. And it celebrates the artistry of uh, Anita O'Day and Julie London and June. Wow. Mm-hmm. and Chris Connors and that album came out on a jazz really good jazz uh, label out of Los Angeles called uh, Re- Resonance Records and then the sixth album when I got to number six I said you know I started as an R&B vocalist and writer and I want to go back to my roots I really don't want to put out another straight ahead jazz album but I'd like to put out something that would be celebrated both by the soul and the jazz audiences. 
So I hired, the first time in my life, I hired um, a co-producer. My co-producer did the early Gregory Porter albums, uh, Liquid Spirit, and a, and a couple of his other albums. A guy by the name of Kamau Kenyatta, who lives Pianist, in... isn't he? Yeah, brilliant, mm. brilliant. And used to live in Detroit, and I knew him when he lived in Detroit, and then he moved to San Diego, and I found him. And when he came to town one year to visit his family, he came to my house, and we sat down, and the first song we chose for the album was a song that Paul Buchanan wrote for um, the Blue Nile, when he was in the Blue Nile, called The Downtown Lights. And he, Kamau and I were on the same page. And I mean, I wrote four songs for the album and the rest are very unhackneyed, rare uh, compositions that you'd have to go like looking for a needle in a haystack to find these songs. I cut a, um, a Curtis Mayfield song that appeared on his last album and it's a song called Miss Martha. I mean, nobody knows about this. When you think of Curtis Mayfield, you think of Superfly. You don't think yeah. of Miss Martha. And I cut, uh, I cut um, a song um, that Eugene McDaniel's uh, wrote called "Don't Get Me Started," which I just reimagine. There's a reimagination of it on the airwaves right now. Yeah, and it just landed at number 11 last week on the indie soul charts and i'm told that this is probably going to go to number one Amazing. and yeah they're playing it it's it, not a jazz record but my uncovered soul album actually crossed over to the jazz uh the straight ahead jazz chart and all the soul charts and it really kind of put me on the map a little bit that album prior to those six albums there was a dance record I had out in the 80s on Sony Carrere out of France. And if you go look this record up, it's been reimagined and re, I don't know by how, how many, multiple, multiple uh, DJs have gotten their hands on this. It's a song I wrote called I've Got the Night Off. And it's about a hooker who has a night off. And so she wants to find a real relationship, a, a boyfriend, a romance. And that song, I mean, it was just crazy when it came out in 1985. And uh, Don was also produced a 12-inch single on me that was an ACDC cover called You Shook Me All Night Long. And so, and I mean, if you go online, you can find, if you go to YouTube, you can find all of this music. Hmm find all of it and you can find my stuff you know my i think the entire uncovered soul album and the entire ladies of cool album they're all up on youtube um and then there's samples or you know at least good samples of my work on my website under the on the music page and subsequent to the albums coming out the record label which I now record for, which is a small independent label. Uh, they've been putting out singles on me. They put out one that I recorded uh, on my on my Uncovered Soul album that was reimagined with Paul Randolph. 
and a really great production out of Detroit called Put the Voodoo on Me. Mm-hmm. And then the next one that came out was a reimagination of Jimi Hendrix's Foxy Lady. And then after mm-hmm. Foxy Lady, there was a reimagination of my Uncovered Soul single called With My Uncovered Soul that Paul Randolph produced uh, for me. And then came um, a duet with Hubert Laws, which I'm singing, called Fancy Free, which mm-hmm. was a Donald Byrd composition that Paul Randolph wrote some very clever lyrics to. Mm-hmm. And now there's this uh, Don't Get Me Started reimagination, and, it, and so it needed a new title. So it's called Don't You Get Me Started, Love's Too Complicated. <laughs> so... Uh, And then the next single that's coming out is a duet, which I have just recorded and written with a phenomenal artist who is pretty well known in the UK. His name is Frank McComb. Amazing. You know who Frank McComb is? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So Frank and I wrote, I went to LA, uh, we wrote a song, we decided we were going to cut it as a duet. We're just putting the finishing touches out on it, and it's probably going to come out at the end of September or sometime in October. And I'm really excited about doing this with Frank because I've wanted to work with Frank for years. I was performing in Berlin on a jazz series, and he was there, I think, a couple months before I was. And I said, I love this guy. And it took me all these years to um, find the right vehicle to get to him. And a friend of his is, a, is a, uh, a writer. He writes for Soul Tracks magazine, and he just reviewed my latest single, Don't You Get Me Started, Love's Too Complicated. And uh, we got on the phone, because he's from Detroit. He lives in Charlotte, North Carolina now. And he said to me, uh, we started talking, I said, hey, do you know Frank McComb? He said, yeah, he's one of my best friends. I said, this is great. I really want to meet him. I need you to to hook that up. And it took about a month, but Frank was on the road. He was in Italy. When he came back, uh, this guy called him and he said, I want you to meet Kathy Cousins. And Frank and I got on a, we got on a phone call and, um, next thing you know, I'm in LA writing with them and it was just magic. And so Frank has not had a huge career on radio, but he's had a huge career with live audiences. So um, I've had a really good career on radio, but I need to get to some of his audiences. So we need each other. I mean, he needs to get, on radio with me, I'm his vehicle to to radio, to running it up the charts, and he's my vehicle to getting in front of his audiences. So, um, you know, it's like, I think it's going to be a really good match. Yeah, it certainly sounds it. I, I like how you, you consistently kind of wave the flag for Detroit and kind of collaborators that you do and projects that you do. I mean, you mentioned Paul Randolph, who I'm a real big fan of, and I, I really love the music that you guys made 
for uh, the Uncovered Soul album. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was um, Could You Be Me. And the Could You Be Me track broke on the BBC Six on Giles Peterson's show. And it also uh, was reimagined by Obalopo and all of these remixing guys. Giles Peterson as well, himself. Sinbad. (laughs) Sinbad, that's right. And that, I think that was in collaboration with the label that Paul and I are on, this small little label. And Paul, I mean, Paul lives down the, Paul lives, Paul lives about 10 blocks from me. Amazing. So I'm at his house. He's at my house. Uh, we're good friends. And he, re- and you know, he's in Europe with Jazzanova when there, you know, when there's no COVID mm. crisis and people are traveling. So yeah, there's a lot of things happening in Detroit. Do you reckon you'll ever hit the studio with uh, Resolution 88? I would love to hit studio with Resolution 88. But when I did those videos, there was a replacement drummer because the Resolution 88 drummer was not available. So the guy that played drums is also very good friends with um, O'Grady. Mm. Uh, but but the bass player was part of my, he was part of it. And the guitar player is also in Resolution. The guitar player and the bass player and Tom are from Resolution 88. Right. The drummer was not, and no, nor was there a sax player on that on those recordings. And mm-hmm. Brian Hurst uh, found me the band uh, Resolution eighty eight. He's the one that put that whole thing together for me. Amazing! Yeah, That's- it would be awesome for you guys to hit the studio together and see what would come out of it. They're a really dynamic band, aren't they? Well, I, they're phenomenal. And when I'm in London, if I ever have any performance dates, you know. I'm sure if it's tied to Frank, then it may not be Resolution 88. It may be whoever Frank's got, mm-hmm. because I would be guesting right. on Frank's bill to try and widen out my audience with his audience. Right. But there's no reason when I'm in the UK why I can't do some side stuff with you know, Tom and the guys. And yeah. I'm sure it'll happen. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I very much hope it does anyway. Um, if if I may say, mention the uh, uncovered soul album just the final time, you you kind of referred to it as a as an album that crossed over from sort of R and B and and jazz. You know, it kind of reached over to each audience. But it, it's almost like when the album came out, it got as you've mentioned through all the different versions of songs and remixes, it received like a whole new lease of life, as you said, Opalopo and Soul Persona and Sinbad and Giles Peterson. And it almost crossed over to like electronic dance audiences at the same time as well, didn't it? Yes, it did. And Soul Persona also played um, on my track with my Uncovered Soul, which I strongly recommend you, you know, you look on my 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 website. Hmm. It's also on YouTube, but if you go to my website, which is simply kathycousins.com, Mm-hmm. dot com for your listeners. Under uh, the menu bar where it says music, if you pull down that bar and you go to the last link, it says singles. And With My Uncovered Soul is one of those singles. And Soul Persona is playing on that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, 
it, the whole thing, it, you know, recording with, with Randolph and recording with, um, with these guys, you know, uh, in the UK on, for video footage on three of my originals. It's just, I have the best time. I mean, I'm living the dream. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm living the dream. And when I'm not singing or writing, I'm painting. And people, you know, they're really snapping up my artwork, which is Amazing. great. How did you find that um, that quarantine lockdown period just in general? Were you able to, to maintain your levels of like creativity during that time? Did you it flourish? Or did you have <laughs> what a great question. It was the most creative time. Amazing. Um, That's wonderful. I spent the daytime doing outdoor exercising and then painting, collaborating um, on the, you know, on Skype or on the phone or on Zoom and, you know, people sending me tracks. I did go into the studio during the lockdown. I mean, the, the engineer would let me in. He was wearing a mask. You know, I went in the, in the booth. I cut my vocals. It was an interesting way of doing things, but it was all good. Um, you know, when you've been at it long enough, you know, you, you know, all the variables and you know how to position yourself to just carry on. I mean, or it, it was two ways. Either everybody I know either had a meltdown yeah, and they couldn't create and they couldn't focus. And it was a very bad, horrible time in their life, or they made the free time really work for them. And that's what I did. And I had, like I said, these guys, these contractors put masks on. They came into my house. They built out my, uh, I have a, it's about 30 feet by 12 feet, 30 long by 12 feet wide. And they took my basement and I had the floors stripped and polished and cleaned. And I had the whole space painted. And then I had all these lights put in and I had these studio art studio, like gallery rails put in so I could, you know, show off some of my work. And I took all the remaining canvases and I had a storage, uh, a storage, an, another place built that nobody can see into with these beautiful doors. So I can open the doors and go back there and pick out some paintings and bring them forward. When I have people coming in that are looking for a certain size or a certain color. And I just lift them up and put them right on the rail and they can, you know, and then I have these nice studio lights that I can shine on the paintings. I really made it work. And when I wasn't doing that, and then, and then at nighttime, you know, that was my, my Netflix. <laughs> that was my, my television <laughs> I mean, I learned how to have a, two glasses of wine every evening and sit in front of the television. That was my that was my time off. Then I'd, you know, get up the next morning and the whole thing would start over. Mm. So, you know, and we've got all these all this new COVID stuff happening here now. So even if you're vaccinated, you know, you you still have to be a little careful. Yeah. But I'm getting on airplanes. I'm going back to Los Angeles to do more writing with Frank. And mix a couple of songs that I've written and recorded uh, with a brilliant pianist who used to be on the road with everybody from um, 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 Wayne Shorter to the Mahavishnu Orchestra. I'm talking about Mitch Foreman. Wow. Just played on that Lyle Mays piece. Uh, 
You know, Lyle Mays, who used to play in Pat Metheny's band, passed away. Mm. Wow. Um, a year and a, a year and a half ago. Sadly, he was a young guy. He was 66 and he had been ill for some time and it was very quiet, kept very quiet. And when he passed away, before he passed away, he got these musicians together and, you know, he knew that this was going to be recorded after he died. And it was. And it's like, um, I think it's like a 16 or a 17 minute piece of music. It's on YouTube now. It's called Eberhard. And it was an homage to the bass player. Um, I think the German bass player's last name is Everhard. It's just pretty amazing. So so Mitch and I are working, and Frank McComb and I are working, and Randy Jacobs, who's originally from here, he's on the road with um, the Summer Horns tour. That would be the smooth jazz guys like Dave Cause and, and Kirk Whalem and Mindy Abare and those people. He's, you know, on tour with them, and he also tours with um oh gosh there's a lot there's a whole lot of people randy goes out with mm-hmm. so and we're working right now so you know i've got a lot of projects i've got a lot of songs already recorded just waiting to come out are, are these are you, are you are they being envisaged envisioned sorry as uh, as separate sort of singles or for different projects or you're planning no, for a full all, length they're all separate singles Record label I'm on hates full-length CDs now. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because nobody's buying them or playing them. They want You can play one song at a time, just like in the old days, you know? A single went to radio. It might have been on a 45. Even in the old days, in the 70s, you, you would have one jazz single, you know, one Herbie Hancock song. One Patty Austin song. They would break a single. It wasn't all albums. You send somebody an album, which is all well and good, they can still only play one song at a time. Hmm. So it's better to focus on the one song in the record label's mind. And I'm fine with it. You know, I mean, he's got a good point. They have a good point. So that's what they're doing for now. So the Frank McComb, Kathy Cousins duet will come out. And then probably, I think I have four, five songs recorded in the can. I don't know. Maybe there, maybe there'll be a, an EP. Who knows? You know what? I just focus on the art. I'm staying mm. out of the business. I've been in the business my whole life, and I'd rather just be creative at this point. How do you think? That's actually a really great point. Like, how do you sort of from from seeing the business you know in such a different place all those years ago you know how how would you kind of describe the process of being like a, an up and comer you know for someone you know all those years ago sort of when you had started trying to get into the business to someone trying to do it now in like oh, a digital wow. kind of dig, in a digital spotify kind of age how would you would you think one era was would be would have been easier to do that in or do you think they both have their challenges, which I imagine they, they both do. actually they both have their challenges, and it's just not it's it's a little different today. When I started this, I was on the phone six seven hours a day, and I was putting physical press packages together. This is before the internet, and I must have mailed uh, five hundred of these things out a year to try and get 
50 gigs. You know, if I was getting a small percentage of all the, all the materials, but I kept everybody's name and phone number okay. uh, in a database. So if they said no to me in year one, it didn't necessarily mean they were going to say no to me in year two. two. So I got all of my own performance dates. Le much, much later on, I've worked with a couple of different agents and they've been fine, but you know, I did it before and I, and I can do it again. It's just not that big of a deal. It's, it's a lot of busy work, but I actually, just like I like the promotion end, I like, I like the hustle and I like being on the phone and I like writing the emails and I like being persistent and haranguing people into giving me performance opportunities. And I teach a clinic in it. I teach young people a class called Gainful Employment and the Art of Hustling the Gig. Amazing. Say it's a little different because there is that digital age and Spotify um, and TikTok and Instagram mm -hmm. component. And I don't like this. I mean, I'm too old school for that. But, you know, I keep up with it. I do keep up with it. Maybe not as much as I should. I have an Instagram guy that I pay to get stuff out there for me. I handle all of my own Facebook stuff. And I post almost every day, you know, or every other day at least. And, um, you know, my advice to young up-and-comers today trying to do this is you have to it's a balancing act. You have to manage your time. Um, I've left no time for social life. I mean, you know, yesterday I was in an interview and somebody said, did you ever get married? And I said, no, I never wanted it. I'm too selfish. I'm an artist and a musician and I keep my nose to the grindstone and I have tunnel vision and I don't take my eye off the prize ever. Well, you, you know, not everybody's like as crazy as me. So for people up and comers, you know, you have to manage your time. You have to balance your life. You have to have a bit of a social life. You have to have a bit of a creative life. But you still have to look for opportunities, even if it's doing the research and writing the emails or making the phone calls. And it's hard for people that are very introverted or very introspective or very quiet to do that. It was very easy for me because I come from a background. My father owned a very large, prestigious men's clothing store that catered to all the Motown artists and Barry Gordy Amazing. and and all of these entertainers. I mean, when the Beatles performed in town and I was just a tiny kid. Brian Epstein came into my father's store and bought dozens of suits, you know. So, I mean, I was in that world and my father could sell an ice chest to an Eskimo. If you <laughs> walked in to buy a suit, I guarantee you walked out with six and all yes. of that mastery to go with it. So, because of my father's salesmanship, I didn't say, I didn't say, Hey dad, can you teach me that? I was just there. I was around it. So when, when it came time for me to apply some of that to my own career, it was just natural. It's not natural for a whole lot of people. Yeah. 
So I would give advice to students and say, look, and I, I, I do private consultation. I do consult people that call me up and they want these counsel. I counsel them, you know, for a fee, but they want my advice on how to approach uh, record labels or how to approach venue owners. And I, you know, I take it a case by case and I sit down with one person at a time and I give them all kinds of advice um, because I know how this game works and it, it's really tedious. And if, and not everybody's cut out for it. Some people would just prefer, especially in the digital age, like, don't forget when I was growing up, there was no computer, there was no iPhone, there was no, none of this stuff. I mean, I had an answering machine and I could write a letter. There was no computer. You know? I had a telephone, a landline, and I could call people one at a time. You know, today there's all this digital. And so, in my humble opinion, you know, you have to balance your time or call somebody like me that has had years and years and years of experience doing this. And I mentor a lot of people that come to me seeking, you know, old wise sage advice from somebody who's been there and done it. It's the and difference, I, isn't it? That that yeah. hustle, as you say, you know, you can have all the talent in the world, but I suppose in a market like today's where, you know, there is so much for anybody to, to kind of wade through in terms of Bandcamp, SoundCloud, MixCloud, you know, there's so much talent out there and it's now your ability to make yourself visible in, 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 in an incredible scenario, isn't it? It is. And I don't, I don't do that because I'm too old school. I mean, I'm on YouTube. I'm on Spotify. I really don't mess around with SoundCloud that much, although, so I really don't, and I don't have a TikTok account. I'm just, you know, I would love to have somebody manage Spotify and SoundCloud and MixCloud for me. Hmm. That would be great. You know, if I could find somebody that would just take over all that for me, that would be fine because I'm too busy writing, painting. My visual work is just as important to me as my um, my recordings and my studio and my writing. I'm not just painting in an art studio. I'm calling on interior design firms and looking for collectors one at a time to get them into my studio to buy my work. So, you know, I mean, it's a different kind of hustle, but it's still a hustle. <laughs> so, yeah. And I had an art website designed. I had an art website and a new uh, music website designed, and they're linked to each other. If you go to my website on the top menu bar all the way to the right, it says art. And if you click the art link on, it will take you right to my art website. Because people, you know, people are buying artwork from me. I've shipped to the UK before. I ship all over the world. I shipped a painting out about six weeks ago to a gentleman in Berlin. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, And I do custom work too. It's like songwriting. My paintings are very musical. It's incredible how, 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 how sort of driven and focused you are and how you're able to, to kind of channel it into almost these just 
not not a wasted moment it's uh it's inspiring to say the least i imagine you must oh, be wonderful I, insight. Believe, believe me there's wasted moments at night when i sit <laughs> in front of the telly watching, <laughs> either watching the news or i really like um <laughs> we have the science channel and national geographic and the and the discovery channels here and netflix i mean so i mean and the history channel so i bounce around but and then you know, I'm on my bicycle and I'll I'll ride 20 miles at a stretch, and tune out. And people will say, "Well, what what kind of music do you listen to when you're painting or when you're on your bike?" I listen to ambient music, like new age stuff. Mm. <laughs> it, it you know why? Because it helps me tune out. Because yeah. when I'm painting, it's it's an otherworldly out of body experience for me. I don't even realize I'm on the I'm grounded or I'm on planet earth when I'm painting. It's like I'm not here. And that ambient music takes me to another realm. And and when I'm exercising or I like to do a lot of outdoor, you know, bike riding and walking, it's the same thing. It's like moving meditation. So I listen to ambient music. We have um we have an, uh, a platform. I'm sure you have it in the UK. It's a, it's a channel called Hearts of Space. And there's a lot of great music on that app, on that platform. And I think it's like, I don't know, 50 or 60 US dollars to join for the year. And you don't even have to pay if you just want to hear their weekly show. But it's really good stuff. And it mm-hmm. really helps me decompress from from the grind from the writing from the recording from the hustling of the work so and i really think this next single that's going to come out as a duet with frank is going to expand my my audience in person uh in the uk and in other parts of the world too I'm very much looking forward to to hearing it. It's a uh, it's a great pairing, as well. And as we said about um sort of waving that Detroit flag as well. So it's a uh, yeah, it's something I'm very look, very much looking forward to, to kind of hearing. He has a great voice. You have a fantastic voice. So it's going to be a wonderful pairing. So uh, yeah, congratulations. Hopefully, if you uh, uh, if you remembered, we uh, mentioned about a closing song uh, where you would uh, pick something uh, from your own catalog or just something of uh, sort of significance to kind of close the the episode out did you have a moment to pick anything um something um let me see what's your favorite (laughs) oh my gosh it would be something from uncovered soul i'm 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 a real fan of the fancy free uh tune which isn't on uncovered soul but uh that's one of my uh standouts i think you with um it's got hubert laws and uh daime arusena as well who's a vocalist yeah. and a big fan of um and paul randolph's in the mix as well which is amazing so that's a song that i'm a big fan of um there were the could you be me mixes which i i loved as well can we pretend from the uncovered soul album is a wonderful wonderful version then you know what i'm gonna pick i'm gonna pick something off the uncovered soul album that m- may be there's there's two originals uh, actually, oh boy, just one song. There can't be two. Okay. Um, <laughs> for you, we can pick two. You know what? I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick the downtown lights because it's 
the Blue Nile from the from the UK. From oh, excellent. Uh, and this was the first song that I picked for the Uncovered Soul album, and it's not an original, but um, I absolutely love this song, and it's very very down. It's simple, and it's heartfelt, and it's acoustic, very acoustic. And it's called The Downtown Lights. Sometimes I walk away When all I Just one thing I can say Nobody loves you this way It's alright Can't you see The downtown line We're walking down an empty street And with nobody call your name Empty streets Empty nights The downtown It's alright 
the downtown lights Sometimes I walk away 